Hi, my name is Jana, and you are listening to Timeless Teachings Podcast. Today our guest is Jane Johnson, a remarkable woman I have known for many years. Jane specializes in working with high-performing athletes, Hollywood movie stars, international speakers, personal and business coaches, and leaders from all over the world. She began her studies and quest for knowledge in 1971, and since then have been on a unique journey of discovery and guiding others towards a happy and successful life. Let's welcome Jane. Hi, Jane. Uh, thank you for joining us uh, today for the conversation. And let's start with you sharing a little bit about yourself. Sure. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. And uh, it's a pleasure. And a little bit about myself. Um, I started personal development work in 1971 and uh, tried a number of things for 12 years. And then I found this clearing work. I call it clearing. And my teacher was Lawrence West. And uh, so I really liked it. I had done 12 years of roaming around, trying to find answers and doing the S training. I don't know, some people know that. It's landmark form now, but back in those days, I did that in 1976. And so it's just been a journey that I'm so grateful for. My life was completely messed up at that time. And I'd made a lot of dumb mistakes. And um, I really didn't have any hope uh, much left that things could turn out. And then this clearing came along and I was very, um, suspicious. Mm. <laughs> this can't work. Nothing's worked. I've read a ton of books, you know, I've done everything. I've spent so much money and, um, I just didn't really believe it would work, but it, it did. And I was shocked. <laughs> And within that first year of working there, they, uh, as a you know client, they they said or Lawrence said, you know, you could do this for your life's work if you wanted. And here I am. <laughs> Almost when was that? So that was eighty three. So thirty eight years later. Wow, eighty three. It's when I was born. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> So yes. you were clearly doing personal development way before that. <laughs> so clearing, um, tell me a little bit more about that. So what what is clearing? Yes, well, um, I love words and I love uh, kind of grammar and things like that. So I will uh, share something. The, the suffix I-N-G, clearing, mm -hmm. that ends with I-N-G, as do many other verbs. And it means in the process of, and I just love that. I-N-G means in the process of. So if you're walking, you're in the process of walking and so on. So so looking at the word clear, um, it has many definitions. I've looked it up in the dictionary many times. Uh, clarity, clarity in your mind. Uh, it can mean a clear sky, you know, a bright sky with no clouds. It could be many different aspects of the word. But uh, at the bottom of it, I think, is when we're not clear. How's that? <laughs> it's like when we're not clear and the, there's 
fog in our minds and even you know the smartest of people the best of people the most good-hearted people if we're not clear um we tend to make mistakes we tend to make bad decisions i'm telling you about the story of my life before clearing um, <laughs> um so to be able to be clear in in various ways in your life i just think it's a great great advantage um, needless to say, I mean, it's a tremendous advantage. Just the difference to me between fumbling around through life and knowing where you're going, having goals, reaching your goals, creating more goals, you know, having the life you want. So that's a long answer to your question. <laughs> well, it's a beautiful answer. So, okay, so clearing, it's in the process and I, I understand what, what, what it gives to us. And um, when you do your work, is it a combination of different tools that you use to help people to get clearer, or is it like a, a particular, um, yeah, or is it like a particular methodology? Uh, speaking about words, right? That 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 you are following, right? Well, it's definitely a combination in the sense that. You know, starting way back then in 71, I have come across many, many methodologies, right? Uh, bioenergetics, uh, as I said, the S training, uh, transcendental meditation, uh, hypnotherapy, tapping, NLP. I've just all these things have come into my world. Some have stayed, some haven't. Um, but basically the methodology I use is the same, the same word. I call it clearing. And it's um, what I do with people is, uh, first of all, the premise, the major premise of my work is that we're spiritual beings. Mm -hmm. So I consider my work to be spiritual. Mm -hmm. And it can mm -hmm. be um, mental in terms of thoughts and ideas we have conclusions that may not be right, you know, false ideas in the subconscious, certainly emotional because okay. attached to many of our thoughts or experiences are either positive or negative emotions. So it's kind of all those things. And, but it starts with, you know, my, when I meet a new client, I, I see them as their spiritual being, being a human, which mm -hmm. brings in a whole other <laughs> um, box of problems, we'll say. <laughs> and mm -hmm. uh, so with that as a premise, um, and by the way, I, I consider the word soul, the word being soul and spirit to me are synonyms. I know it's not that way for everybody. Just so just to clarify for me, um, spirit, soul and being, that means the same thing to me. So if we're spiritual beings, you know, why are we struggling? Why, why do we have problems? What's, what are these obstacles? <laughs> and it doesn't really fit, you know, to me, because I see a spiritual being as perfect. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so how did we get confused? How did we get lost? How did we make that mistake? And so when I work with people with that premise, most mostly what I do is ask questions, but they're the right questions. You know, my uh, Blair Singer is a great friend of mine. I've known him since 1987. He wrote the book uh, 
team code of honor. He wrote the book Sales Dogs. And um, he calls it, you know, the little voice, <laughs> the subconscious mm -hmm. mind that gets in our way. And to just to be able to ask the right questions, like Blair says, if the, the quality of the question determines the quality of the answer. And I love that. Blair's one of my great friends and teachers, too. I'd love to learn from him. So if... I, was, I love player too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've known him since 87, like I said. So, uh, yeah, great. He's so such a great teacher and leader. So um, when you ask the right questions, I, in my, you know, the way I see it, and I've experienced it over all these years, the right questions allow people to clear themselves. So I'm just facilitating. So... I could say something I'm not. I'm generally not a coach. This exactly was my next question, right? So because <laughs> that? Okay. then, right? You just read my mind. That's exactly it. Because coaching is another methodology, right, that people use, and it's largely based on asking questions. Yeah. So then what is the difference? Well, and, you know, this, again, could just be my definition of a coach. But uh, we have a code of honor as a clearing practitioner that's, the name that I've used to describe what I do, clearing practitioner. And um, a code of honor, uh, the first line is that we promise not to evaluate for the client. So I don't give advice. Mm. I don't give homework. I don't give answers. <laughs> um I think that's the main difference and, and you know different people have different ideas about what a coach is I can be a coach and I'll put that hat on I'll be a coach sometimes because what I want to do is help the person and sometimes people need a coach mm -hmm. and I will be a coach because I I'm I enjoy that as well but when I'm clearing people you know in the strictest sense I'm not giving advice and I'm not trying to lead them somewhere you know, the idea is that they they have their own path. If they're off the path, can I help them get back on it? Yes. But I don't tell them, this is your path. Mm -hmm. Or that's your path. It's all, it's my greatest wish that people know what they know, their own wisdom inside themselves and trust that. And so I try to be what I call a zero. <laughs> Stay out of the way. <laughs> Ask the right questions, listen to the answers, but not judge the answers. And, and I think, you know, now that I think about it, I never really thought about this before, but I, it's coming to me now. All those 12 years that I did those different methodologies, I'm grateful for every one of them. But when I got into clearing, suddenly that person clearing me was not judging me, good or bad. Mm. It was, she was just being a zero. And I, I know that's a funny way to say it, but just being so open and neutral, we'll say, and allowing me to really look at my own thoughts and feelings. I don't think I ever was able to do that before because I was, all this advice was always being thrown at me, well-intended, mm -hmm. well-intended, but suddenly this person was just listening 
It was wonderful. <laughs> I felt heard, heard but not judged. And so that's part of why I fell in love with the job or the, the, the work, because I love giving that gift to other people. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely does. And I also feel, um, especially because we live in the world where we are constantly bombarded with someone else's opinion and judgment, as you said, often well-intended, oh, yeah. however, not always. <laughs> and it's people, it is media, it is society, it is it's basically comes at us from all directions, from the moment we wake up in the morning till we're going to sleep. Like everything around us is someone trying to tell us how to live our life. And then it also, the divisions that's happening based on the way you are and what is your gender and what is your circumstances and all kind of other things that people created um, around the, 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 how to divide humans. And so and now, of course, we have this other thing with, you know, with COVID, which is in our life right at the moment, which is another huge division who ever thought would happen, but it did. Right. And so I just feel that it's what you're describing, that um, being at zero, it's, it's almost like this massive reset back to who we really are. Mm. Very nice. And uh, right. And it's also and then at least from my understanding, what I know about spiritual practices, it's pretty much the foundation of any spiritual practice from any part of the world and any school. Yeah. That it just presented in different words. Right. And people use different doors to get there. <laughs> but fundamentally, this is it. It's being able to be at zero and not judging yourself and another human being and allowing yourself to kind of just meet the life the way it is. Right? Yes. Thank you for saying that. It's so beautiful the way you said it. Yeah. yeah, and uh, and and you just doing this amazing work, and um, I mean I know your work, Jane, because I also have done sessions with you. So right, that's why I know exactly what you do, and I have a, a direct experience of your present, of your presence. So what it means to talk to someone who is just there, and um, I also remember we had once this conversation where. I ask you uh, how you are not getting tired from working with people, because that's the other thing which I hear very often from those who so hold holding space for others or working with others, that people often just get tired and they get exhausted and then they don't want to do it anymore. And so I just would like you to share, you told me this, but I would like you to share this with everyone. So what it is different in the way how you do things that you don't get tired. Yes. Thank you. And it's funny because I had a client this morning. Um, it's afternoon here, or at li well, evening, actually. And this morning, and she was saying the same thing. She used the word burnt out. Mm -hmm. and asking, That's the other word. And yeah. asking the same question. So um, I, for me, the answer is that if I'm always in the present Oh, not saying always. Of course, I can't always be in the present. <laughs> but when I'm working with some, someone, if I'm in the present, then no one I've ever worked with before is in crowded into the room with us 
or crowded into the space with us. None of that is there. It's just me and that person right there at the time. And I think sometimes burnout comes from linking memories together, experiences. And, mm. and maybe I didn't answer your question this way the last time we spoke. I don't know. But it gets so heavy because the, the mind tends to link. It's like, you know, you smell a perfume and you think of someone. You smell a food and you think of your mother. Or you, you see something. It's not just smell. <laughs> you, know, mm -hmm. you see something, you hear a song, and you think of someone. The mind links things. And that's its function. <laughs> and mm -hmm. it can help us. You know, it's good to remember we learn lessons that way. And the, because the mind links things, we can learn from something and not make a mistake again. By the same token, that linking thing can add up and make this long, long chain of links of, I mean, look, I mean, 38 years I've been doing this. But I, I mean, if I get tired, it's because it's temporary. And it's just, I just need a little break. <laughs> just uh -huh. a little Wipe the slate clean. Which is very human, which is very human. <laughs> mm -hmm. Wipe the slate clean and it doesn't ever last. Because I don't, I, There's so many factors to this because if you love your work, you're not going to get tired of it. You know, Mother Teresa, whoo, she was like 98 years old and still flying around the world and going here and going there. And she was so committed, needless to say, to her mission. And honestly... I never spoke to her, but I really doubt that she ever got tired of it or tired of helping the, the people she intended to help and so on. So um, at least that's part of it is not linking things and just being in the present with someone and loving, loving what you do. This is beautiful. <laughs> and I think it just applies like so much to not only this particular type of work that we are talking here about, right? When we talk oh, about personal sure. development and spirituality and how to bring forward the human potential, but I think anything else for any other human. So if, uh, when we, if you ever feel if we would all do exactly what you said, love what we do, be present with what is, in, in that yeah. moment and not linking, not basically not judging what is happening, yeah. then it just brings forward the, the, this, this infinite energy within us because we're not limiting it with our mind. Yeah, yes. That's, that's, I guess, and I really feel how you were saying it. Yeah. Okay. Um, you were saying at the beginning of our conversation today about uh, spiritual beings and that in your in your understanding, and so is in my understanding, uh, that we are, and I think so is in Blair's understanding, because I remember him saying it, right. that we are spiritual beings having human experience, right? Yes. Um, so let's talk a little bit about your understanding of what it means to be a spiritual being, what it actually means. Yes. And boy, that's one of the questions of all time, right? So Yes. <laughs> no easy questions, right? <laughs> I'm okay with that. Um, I hope it's clear that whatever I share, I don't consider it to be the truth that everyone should think is the truth. It's just my truth, and I'm, I'm good with that, and 
I like to share things so people can think about it. But what I respect and want is for people to have their own truths, whatever those are. And so as a, a my idea of a spiritual being is that it's what we are. This, these verbs come into play because we're having a human experience. And as such, I think we have a mind and we have a body. Mm-hmm. And this was something I learned early in the clearing for me in, in 1983 that changed the way I looked at life because without realizing it, I thought I am this. Mm-hmm. And I thought I like I am the body. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm all of the, I'm mm-hmm. a body. I'm a human, and I have a soul, or I have a being, or I have a spirit. And the two verbs, what I have and what I am, are those. Are, I realized it changed my life. It changed the way I saw everything, because I, I believe that spiritual beings are eternal. I don't think this doesn't last forever. The body. But I think spiritual beings do. They're just eternal. And so to see life that way, oh, this is what I am. And I have one of these. I mean, I have a car, too, that I get around in. (laughs) (laughs) And I have one of these that I get around in. And in Mm -hmm. both cases. The body, yes. The body, Mm -hmm. yes. And in both cases, uh, one is obvious. I knew, you know, you have to take care of your car. It's going to fall apart. Mm-hmm. So I realized I have to take care of this, you know, and this body. And so um, I've done my best to, you know, eat right and yoga and, and all those things. And we all have our own ways of, of that works for, for our body, you know, our bodies. So I guess that's the main distinction when, when I think about what a spiritual being is. It's eternal. I think it's perfect. And... It's limitless. I think, I believe a spiritual being has infinite potential. Mm. And can choose. Go ahead, sorry. Can choose, yes. It can can choose choose anything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It has the ability to choose. And then become... And we incarnate, right, in a in a physical form, and then we get a body. Um, I know that there are many ways how people look at it, and there are all kinds of theories about what, why are we here. I'm just curious to hear what is your understanding, right? I mean, we all have our own. Eventually, we all have our own story about who am I and why am I here. So, what is yours, Jane? <laughs> What are you here for as a human being or spiritual being? Yes, well, you know what? The question, why am I here, for me, is different than what am I here for. Good. Okay, so what is the difference? So one is easier to answer than the other. (laughs) So what am I here for? I, 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 I feel like I'm here to help people. And... I started out for, when I got into clearing, I was 35, so I'd already had plenty of time to mess up my life, make mistakes, do stupid things. And uh, so how fortunate it was, a blessing of all blessings, that that moment when he said, my teacher said, you know, you could do this for your life's work, everything shifted because suddenly I had a purpose 
a mission that I felt good about and a way to help people. I'd always wanted to help people. In, in high school, I wanted to be, or junior high it was, I wanted to be a nurse. I always mm-hmm. wanted to help people. My mother was the same way. My grandmother, her mother was, they were helpers, you know? So uh, mm-hmm. it was natural to me, but I, I didn't even know how to help myself. So long answer, but I feel that what I'm here for is to do this work, this clearing work. And I know it sounds, I don't mean to make it sound, um, so lofty and noble Mm -hmm. and wonderful Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. it's just me it's just your truth (laughs) exactly and it's just your truth yeah it's just me and um the other question of why are we all here to me that is an i that goes back to that as spiritual beings we can choose and I think so. The answer I think is an individual one for for individual one for every person. Yes. What? Why did you choose to come here mm-hmm. and live this earthly life? So the answer would be different for different people. I suppose they both are different. But yeah, why are we here? To make, to learn, to make you know evolve. Um, probably infinite number of answers. Yeah, probably there are as many people, there are th- that many answers because then we own all, all find that that's, it's almost like we all have our own flavor to the truth. So the truth is universal and it is there, it has always been there. It's just then depending on our language, our culture, our circumstances and where we come from, then all of that somehow uh, influences a shell understanding of people because I have heard just from so many people also all over the world, like their view on, on that. And and I feel right now um, also with everything that is happening at the moment globally, whatever is called under spirituality and personal development and mindfulness and meditation, it's just booming because suddenly people realize that all those structures that we had outside, they're all collapsing. And the only safe harbor is inside. <laughs> and so it, it's right. And it's also very interesting for me to just watch what has been also happening in the last one and a half years that many of the things we were trying to tell people that uh, like it's good for you to meditate at least, you know, or just spend some time with yourself, spend less time on social media, spend more time with the family members or with the nature or doing, you know, something just to understand yourself better. And people were saying that, I don't know, let me climb another ladder in the corporate world or let me close another deal or let me wait until my kids grow up or let me sell a house or let me do something else and then maybe later I will do that and uh, that has been seems to be like a collective truth and now it's just amazing to watch how collective truth is entirely different and like people like you and the work that you do I shall is it's so perceived in the eyes of the society to be so much more important at the moment because everyone seems to be struggling with their mind and trying to understand, you know, how, how, how the mind works and what to do with that and how to stay centered and how to stay grounded in your truth while everything else is happening. Yes, so true. Thank mm-hmm. you for, for that. And what stood out to me 
I love everything you said, but you said the only safe harbor is inside yourself. That could be the chapter of a book or a book. <laughs> that's actually a beautiful one. Yes, that's true. Very good. <laughs> that's true. You're good. <laughs> well, people have been telling me I should write a book for a very long time now. So for, the, for someone, it was let's sell a house and close another deal. <laughs> so and for me, it was let's postpone the book because I want to do something else first. So you use Patan, Jane. Maybe, maybe it's time to, to do that. <laughs> it's a great line and it's a great truth. Yeah. So. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for thank you for that. And you have been you said how many years you have been doing the processing? I was trying to thirty something, right? You said? Oh. Well I started in eighty three in that same year, nineteen eighty three. And I that same year I started training to do this work. So 38 years, it was... Well, so it's my age, pretty much, right? So you have been literally doing this work <laughs> as old as I am, which, which is interesting. So 38 years of doing that. Um, after seeing all those people and helping them to find their own truth, my question here for you would be... Uh, um, and again, I don't want to make it sound cliche, but I still want to ask it. What were your biggest learnings? And I understand it's probably not the one, not the not not only one. Maybe there were several of them, right? But maybe if you can remember, maybe even some people that inspired you in a particular way, or, or, or really, like as you were guiding them, it helped you to realize something much, much greater about yourself and maybe even change your life in, in some way. So to share a little bit those maybe stories um, as you helping others, what then opened up for you? Yes, thank you. I have a million stories, <laughs> but... <laughs> that I'm, I'm feeling good, yes. <laughs> Not really a million, but, um, you know, first... Uh, if you don't mind, I want to acknowledge three people. They're the, the, those three people are the only reason I've been able to do this work and do it for so long. And it's Lawrence West, my clearing teacher, Robert mm -hmm. Kiyosaki, author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad, who's been a supporter since I met him in 1990, and Blair Singer. And I, I really want to acknowledge them in this way since I have the chance because they've, they're, they're wind beneath my wings, let's say that. So, um, thank I, you. Thank you to all three of them. <laughs> thank you. Yes. And two of them are still here on the planet. So Robert and Blair, so I'm thankful for that too. So, um, so in order to do the work, I had tremendous, I had 14 years of studying, not just Working with people all along from 83 till uh, my teacher passed in 1997, but I learned so much from the studying with him. And then it's like hand in hand. I'm sure you've experienced the same thing. You have the experience with a real person and then, but you read something first. Mm. Or mm -hmm. the other way around, you work with someone and then you read something and go, oh, but the two get connected, the two dots, you know, get connected. And in that light, I have to say, I know this is a cliche too, I suppose, 
I have learned from every single person I've ever worked with. I've learned about guilt and the how destructive it is. I've learned my mistakes <laughs> and oops, sorry, <laughs> I, you know, try to fix that. And um, um, the story that comes to mind, it, I'm, I'm hesitant to tell it because it has, it just starts out so terribly. Do you think that's... It's okay. Okay. Yes, absolutely. Go ahead. A big part of that platform and our conversations to just be very honest and authentic about every part of life. So, okay. please. Okay. Just go ahead. Thank you. Uh, so, um, it was actually, now that I think about it, Robert Kiyosaki, this was around 2003, he, he told me, Robert said, I'm going to send, I'm sending a client to you and I want you to take care of him and don't charge him any money. Good. Whatever Robert mm -hmm. says. And the man came to my office here and uh, I didn't know what was wrong, but he said that three years earlier, his 18-year-old daughter had shot herself with a gun mm. and he came in and found her. Gosh. And For parents, this is... Yeah. That's why I said it's like, oh, it has a terrible beginning. Yeah. Uh, and... Um, he had spent three years trying to get over it in any way, you know, even tiny. And he was, yeah. he was um, a body worker. He was losing his patients. Uh, they, they were, you know, his business was dropping off. His, they were not getting along with his wife. It was just total destruction as a family and as a business. And I, so I worked with him and I'm not going to go through the whole thing because that, it took about two hours, but um, the upshot of it was, the bottom line was that he had decided when it happened that it was his fault. Mm -hmm. that, that's mm -hmm. just the beginning of what he realized, um, his fault. And a lot of times, most times I'd say, when a client believes that, as soon as it comes out of their mouths, they... They know that maybe they were partly responsible, but they know, no, I, it's not my fault. And they're immediately relieved of that burden. Well, he wasn't. He, he firmly believed it was his fault and he was planted right there. And so I said, well, what if it, let's just say hypothetically, what if it was your fault? And I didn't believe it was. The reason I asked him that was there was a machine going. You know what I mean? Uh, mm -hmm. well, in his head. In his mm -hmm. head, there was, it's my fault, it's my fault, it's my fault. And machines don't stop by themselves. Mm -hmm. if, you, mm -hmm. if you turn a machine on, you're the one that turns it off. Somebody turns it off or it just keeps going. And so I had to think of something to stop that machine. And that worked when I said, what if it was your fault? I said, then what? And he could, you know, because mm -hmm. every person he'd ever told that to before then, what did they say? Oh, it's not your fault. They would say, it's not your fault. Of course. Yes, it's mm -hmm. not your fault and don't feel bad and all this comforting and um, that sort of thing. So I was just so grateful that 
that question came to me and he said, what do you mean? Now we have before us an open like garden. We can now plant flowers, <laughs> mm-hmm, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And I said, I don't usually do this, but I, I, he just needed the little bit of guidance. And I said, well, if it was your fault, do you think you, do you think you needed to be punished? Mm-hmm. And he had never realized that before. Yes, he said. Yes, and I said, "Okay, for how for how long should you be punished?" And he said, "Forever, mm-hmm. forever." Mm. That's when the machine cracked and fell apart. Yeah. And it was so beautiful. I'm getting goosebumps now yeah. as you were sharing. Yeah, yeah, yes, it's like so strong. You know, it's so real that, yes. Yes, yes. I, ha- I have them too, actually. Yes. <laughs> and it was so beautiful because, well, it's obvious why it was beautiful. You know, at that moment, he forgave himself for whatever he thought he'd done. He let go of that idea that he should be punished forever, which opened the door for him to have a successful body working practice, to have a successful marriage or family. You know, if you're going to punish yourself forever, how would you allow yourself to have the goodness of life, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's like the punishment is being miserable and sad and so, and having things not working, like I just said. So he sort of, he just sort of floated out of my office and... He, after that, told me that he was talking to his daughter in her spirit mm-hmm, form. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. And I don't want anyone to, I'm not suggesting that, well, you know, great, I, I'm fine now. I mean, when you lose a child, I, I, I don't know how that hole gets filled ever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and maybe, maybe for, I'm not suggesting that, Everything's la-di-da for him. Mm-hmm. But the burden of the guilt and the forever punishment and the, the grief, uh, most of it was gone. Mm-hmm. And that's when I learned something a lot. I learned a lot <laughs> about what the human spirit is capable of, what the real spirit is capable of, and how when you ask the right questions, you can help someone see the truth. I mean, that was a lie that he it, he should be punished forever. Absolutely. And so, and I just saw him maybe a few months ago because he's a great body worker. And he said, <laughs> that was, well, when that happened, his little girl was, uh, his other little girl was four years old. And I think she's like 23 now. Mm-hmm. So... It's many years, many years of life. <laughs> many years. Yes, it's already. He never was the same after that day. He he was, after that experience, he just shifted to, no, I deserve to be happy and I have this talent and skill. He's an amazing, very intuitive body worker. Mm-hmm. And then he was able to use his skills and, and help other people, which he's been doing ever since. So that's probably one of my favorite stories. Wow, thank you for sharing, Jane. And I feel it's also so relatable in many other ways. 
And it's like, I, I can also, like, as you're sharing also, of course, then I can also relate myself, like even in my own life. Uh, I, and maybe I even mentioned to you earlier, I don't remember that, uh, but I, my, my first husband, he died because of cancer. Oh, yes. And yes. so as you were sharing that, that part about the guilt, right, when something happens, especially when death happens to the person that you care about, then those who stay, and I think I also remember I had a very similar that sense of guilt when one of my friends committed suicide and I spoke to her just like three days before that happened and then three days later they say she committed suicide. And of course, right? And then you start wondering, so what I did not see, what I did not do right. Yeah. And I think it's like for any parent who lost a child for whatever reason they did, or if lost a spouse or lost maybe a sibling or a close friend. So anytime when we are confronted with death as humans, again, those who are close to us, people tend to blame ourselves. I definitely did. Yeah. And it, so I can totally, like, I, I understand in that way, uh, how that man was, was feeling that it is exactly what you were saying. Um, that after that experience, it is not easy to allow yourself to be happy. Yeah. Yourself to be happy. Yeah. And I also even remember, like, even with my own life, like when that happened with my husband, that it was just a very, very difficult, I know, I mean, cancer is a very big topic and people die from cancer in a variety of different ways. It just happened to be in his case, it was just everything was very difficult and long and just really painful physically, emotionally, mentally, like on all many levels. Yeah. And, and then I remember, of course, when all of that happened and like, how do you live your life after? Right. So, and especially how do you find this right to be happy? and to be loved again. And so it was a very long healing journey for me to get there. And I'm sure that people also who are listening to us right now, maybe it is, I'm sorry to everyone if it's somehow touching upon a part of you that maybe you don't want to touch upon, right? So if you, yeah. because even statistically, pretty much any family, I think, would come across an experience like that in one form or another. So whether it has happened when a person was a child or maybe teenager or adult, but we cannot avoid death. One way or another, it is happening. And uh, if it happens in a dramatic way, uh, which again, also very common thing in the society, then of course, people who stay, they tend to blame ourselves. And um, I feel that's why it's so powerful what you shared, that maybe for those who listen to us, who watch to us, um, that's, that's a wonderful way to look at how you can get out of that sense of feeling guilt if you are still in it, like just that man did, right, that you are shared. Yes. And ask yourself the right questions, what you did, so. Yes, that's thank you for what you just shared. Yeah. Yes, I I mentioned guilt earlier in a different context and I don't know of anything more destructive other than hatred which is obviously it's obvious. I I'm not sure people realize how destructive it is, self-destructive to feel guilty and it's understandable. I think the good people of the world, they're the ones that feel guilty. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. The ones who care, the ones who yes. want to, you know, and so on. I think that's obvious too. But 
when people stay feel I've had so many clients over these many years, they feel guilty years and years later. And it just, they don't allow themselves to feel happy. You hit it. That's, and how do you justify feeling happy when this terrible loss has happened? And, uh, what I just, I really try to help people a lot with guilt. That When I hear that, that mm-hmm. I go after that to try to help them with that because it stops everything else. Yeah. I mean, it stops yeah. all the other goodness of life because they, it's about deserving. How can I say I deserve this when I feel so guilty and I've done these bad things or whatever they're thinking or feeling? Yes, and, and yeah. you know, I also feel it's not, I mean, okay, and, and, and the stories that you shared and I shared, we kind of had like a really vulnerable point when we talk about death, but it doesn't even have to be like that. I know plenty of people who feel guilty just because of their upbringing and their childhood and oh. their perception, their parents always made them guilty for something and then they become guilty adults. Oh, I know many parents who feel guilty towards their children because they feel they were not good enough when they were growing up and then they try to compensate later. Right. Right? And there's just so many ways how a human being can arrive into that place of feeling guilty. And it's it just what you said, it pretty much stops life because then nothing really works when the guilt or what you said, hatred, right? Again, to me, they would also probably be very close in terms of destructive forces. Yes. When that shows up, then that's really dangerous. It's dangerous for the spirit, for the human spirit then. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I feel, yes, that the work that you do, and I'm just also like wondering now during our conversation for people who are listening to us, if someone is having this feeling that you feel guilty about anything in your life, whatever it is, and now you're listening to conversation with Jane, and I think that maybe take it as a sign that maybe it is time to look at the guilt in whatever way works for you. So if it's clearing, it's one of the ways, you know, if it's any other way that you feel that resonates with you. But the bottom line here, it's really important to address it. Yeah. To move on and, and live your life. Yeah. Otherwise, and also I know it from like our conversations with you earlier, I think it's important maybe to explain if you could do this in your own words, people understand about uh, frozen life particles. I think this is a very important part, right? Because Mm -hmm. guilt as a state freezes a lot of energy. And I know that you do work with this idea of of life particles. Yes. Uh, So can you just elaborate a little bit about what it is and why it is so important to actually unfreeze them? Yes, thank you. That's a great question. I want to thank you first for mentioning that anything a person feels guilty about needs to be addressed. It could be a, as a parent. Or, thank you for pointing that out. It's yeah. anything. Guilt and whatever, for whatever reason is so destructive. Thank you. So, um, yeah, I learned about life force particles from Alan Walter and um, I studied with him for a while around 2004. Um, he's passed now, but he defined life force particles as pieces of you. I believe he had other um, extensive definitions for it, but I like the simple definition, pieces of you. I also use the term qi, you know, in the Chinese mm-hmm. medicine. To me, qi and life force particles, life energy. Mm-hmm. There's lots of 
terms for it. And you know, I'm an age right now, right? So yes, people who are here definitely understand what she is. <laughs> yeah. So to me, it's the same. And, and again, it might not be to someone else, but it's life force, energy, chi. And uh, well, you know, we know when chi isn't moving, like you said, frozen. And guilt is a trapper. It, it, it's like it takes a lot of life force particles or chi and just puts it in a box, a container, and locks it away in the past or tries to. And when you release that that energy you have, well, everything rises, everything expands. And mm -hmm. so that's the importance of it. And understanding that I was the same girl. I was the lady I was talking about this morning uh, who mentioned the burnout thing. She's in, um, where is she? Taiwan. She also mentioned that the life force particles. And I was telling her, if you get enough sleep, you have more life force particles. If you eat the right food, if you watch a happy movie, this surprised her. And I said, a violent movie takes life force particles away. Yeah. Again, this is opinion, but this is, I live by this. Um, violence uh, news on TV. And there, many people have theorized or proposed that the subconscious mind doesn't know the difference between a movie and real life. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. watching some horror on, on TV or in a movie theater, the, we're fine, you know, we're, or we're, but the subconscious is triggered and afraid and in kind of a survival mode. That's a theory some people have. Honestly, I think whether that's true or not, it's my experience that being around positive people, watching a happy movie, doing something positive and constructive, all that brings more life force energy to you. It, it makes sense. And then mm -hmm. you think- Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, so what's the opposite? Not enough sleep and um, just thinking of the opposite of all those things and many other things that I'm just not, I'm thinking of at the moment. It's the principle that one needs to know. You can increase your life force particles, my opinion in various ways. Mm -hmm. Some people need, well, I shouldn't say need. Some people are very unhappy in their work. That's draining them every day they go there. Mm -hmm. Or a family, I get a lot of questions about this because people are troubled because they say, what if it's my family that's negative, but mm -hmm. I live with my, what do I do? And so these are challenges. There's not a simple answer, you know. Big question, yes. Again, again, particularly like I think in the Asian part of the world where it's more yeah. common yeah. Uh, for families to, to live together for various reasons. So I know that the Western world is a bit, a bit more, um, maybe not the distance, maybe not the right word, but just culturally, it, it, it's not that common when families stay together physically in the same place. So, yes. Yes, I, I can, I can, I can see that. And it, thank you. And it leads to another conclusion, as she said this morning, and many other people have said. They said they've said, I thought it was my fault. Mm -hmm. I thought it was me. I, th I thought I was the wrong one, the one that needed fixing. 
the one that was causing all the trouble. And I don't know if that makes sense in the context we're talking about it, but in a negative environment, we can be influenced in a negative way, lose life force particles, and then blame ourselves for all kinds of things because we're not thinking clearly. Back to the clear speaking word. <laughs> yes, I was just going to say, speaking about clearing, yes. Not thinking clearly. That's why it's so important to do this work and just kind of to, to like rounding up our you know, conversation for today. I just also would like to say that it's any inner work is really, really important. Like what, what we understood, right? Absolutely. And I just, yes. And I just love how you describe that. It also was my experience from our time together. And I love how you have this, uh, this, this understanding of those life force particles. Because also then if we talk about how we perceive the world, and again, in my understanding, anything that um, was also traumatic or difficult that happened in the past freezes the life force particles. Yeah. That's why it's so important to open it up and it's so important to heal it. And then people use variety of modalities and tools how they get there and they always say that you just have to find what resonates with you the most like what you yes. were saying yes. but you tried like so much yes and you just said okay so and then you did clearing or what you call clearing and you're like this is it it resonates it helps me and and then very often when it helps a person then this person would say this is what i want to do because it helped me so much yes and uh, so i just would like to uh, again just a little um, I guess inspire, <laughs> if we may, with, with this conversation for everyone who is listening. So please do your inner work and whatever way you feel comfortable with that. Yes. And it's clearing and it's one of those ways and you listen to this conversation and you feel this, yes, it is Jane and it is clearing and I want to try it out. Then we're going to have uh, Jane's contact details uh, underneath of the video or audio recording. It depends where you're listening or watching to this. And uh, as we are finishing up, Jane, my final question, let's say would be probably something completely different. <laughs> um, let me ask you this. <laughs> What was your happiest experience since the pandemic started? <laughs> wow, what an amazing question that is. You know, um, it, it, the answer is right there. So I'm just going to say it. I love my work so much <laughs> that... And so many years ago, I started working on Zoom. And before that, it was Skype. Mm -hmm. And to be able, I, I was not disrupted. My mm -hmm. work continued and I was able to work with, there was almost nothing I had to change. And I wasn't unhappy that I couldn't go out. I'm so thankful for that, that all these phases of this, you know, virus and the masks and, and all of it and adjusting and adapting. I think I did a video about that in the beginning, maybe 2020 said, did a video. It's called resist or adapt or something like that. It's on my YouTube channel. Anyway, um, to, that's, I don't know if I can think of like one moment, 
But I, mm-hmm. that's what comes to my mind that I was so grateful for. I was already established on Zoom and I was able to continue my work and not feel unhappy or sad. I, at Christmas time, I couldn't go home to California to see my kids and family. But I adjusted to that too. It's, it's not like I was happy about it. Mm-hmm. But the whole thing, all of 2020 and and going forward, just grateful, I guess. That Sorry for rambling on. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> ah, here, there, I'm sorry. But um, I, get, I think I'm grateful. I, I think that's, I'm just grateful I could continue to do my work. And I feel that you're also saying, actually, it's like, it's like you're grateful that the, your routine was not interrupted. Yeah. That's the most amazing part. Just the way how it's your amazing. life was before. Yes, I mean, for some people, it all went totally upside down, but it just happened in the way how you live your life, that it was it's, not interrupted. And when everything went high wire, then for you, there was this stability in the work. Yeah. And maybe probably even more people came because more people needed guidance. So that's... Uh, that's Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you, Jane, for Thank being you. with us here today. I definitely enjoyed our conversation and learned a lot of things. So thank you for sharing your wisdom. And uh, as I mentioned, we will be adding your contact details so people can connect with you, sending lots of love and light and sun and everything all the way to the United States, right from Singapore. Thank you. <laughs> Same. Yes. Uh, and I really I want to say I support people in finding their way. You know, my way isn't for everybody. And people suffer when they don't know, can't find their way, their path for, for spiritual work. So whatever way works for everybody is what makes me happy. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Wow. Did you enjoy the interview? Feel free to share this episode with friends. Subscribe to the podcast and follow us on social media. Stay wild and be humble. The Street Chip.